0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Mommyhood Redeemed. I am here with my good friend, Vanessa. Hey, guys. And we hope and pray that this unprecedented time in your life has been fruitful and profitable for you. We pray that the sovereignty of God and his promises have comforted your weary heart and provided you with an unshakable hope and joy in uncertain times.
1: Yes, um, I think that despite how difficult things have been the last three months and even just in the last few days um for all of us just to just to rest in god's goodness and in his sovereignty um i know for me it's been a a really sweet time of growth for me personally and for my family we've just had some really sweet bonding time together um We've also had some refining times and God has really revealed a lot in my own heart, I think, and just exposed some sin that I needed to address. And I think just one of the best gifts that I've had in this season has just been time that I have not really had before to really just be in the word and studying it. And that is such a precious gift. So we're excited to talk today uh, to you guys about something that's been on our heart lately. It's just wisdom and discernment and how women, mothers, wives, Christians, uh, how we can pursue it and gain it.
0: Yes. And in today's day and age when everything is relative, truth is hard to find. It is almost a battle to fight for it and at times leaves you standing alone or so it feels when you find it and stand for it. Even in the church and amongst Christians, compromise is all too common. We'd almost almost at times be ignorant and turn a blind eye to things rather than dig deep to know the truth and gain wisdom because of the ramifications it causes for our lives. We want wisdom, but we aren't really willing to put the effort in to find it and to grow in it. We'd rather listen to something that makes us feel good. something that challenges us and pushes us. But the Bible speaks highly of gaining wisdom and commands the believer to seek after it as a treasure to behold. Proverbs 1 is a great passage that reminds us of its importance. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs is wisdom literature, chock full of truth, encouragement, exhortation, warning, and insight for the believer in how to live this life and to live it well. We highly recommend you study the book or even read a proverb a day to keep your mind fresh with how to gain wisdom and why it's so important. Solomon, the author of the book, summed it all up by saying that the fear of the Lord is where wisdom starts. You see, you cannot gain wisdom without that being your foundation. If you are not saved, haven't been transformed, eyes not opened and heart not made new, you are incapable of gaining wisdom, true wisdom, only the Holy Spirit can instill within you. An unbeliever is unable to walk in wisdom and hand in hand with wisdom comes discernment. Discernment is the ability to judge well. Think about that for a minute. In every situation, context, And with all of life, it is this this spiritual ability to judge well, to do what is right, honoring to God and would bring him glory. It is the ability God given to not be swayed by false doctrines, things that tickle the ears, worldliness and non-truth, to do what's right, even when it's hard. So the question then begs, if scripture commands that we have wisdom and we grow in it, and discernment is an outflow of gaining that wisdom, how on earth do we pursue it and grow in it? How do we not get tossed around in the waves of this world? Tim Challey says, The Bible teaches there is a clear relationship between spiritual discernment and spiritual maturity. For a Christian to be mature, he must also be discerning. Those who are not discerning must be immature, backsliding, or dead. Conversely, those who exhibit discernment must be alive, growing, and mature. It is clear from Scripture that all Christians are expected to pursue discernment, for the Bible cries out repeatedly for us to do so. It is the responsibility of each Christian to heed and to answer the call, and so to guard the deposit God has entrusted to us.
1: James 3 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, and do not be arrogant, and so lie against the truth, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see, worldly wisdom looks very different than biblical, godly wisdom. I think a lot of times the world views wisdom in what kind of education you have, what IQ you might hold how much you know about something. But the world, as John MacArthur said, cannot walk humbly. It's a mad fight for everybody's rights. They don't know the meaning of humility. The world cannot walk in unity. It celebrates its differences. It exalts its disparities. It makes an entire structure based on difference, divergence, and differing opinions. The world can't love because it doesn't have the life of God, and God is love. And apart from him, there is no real love. And the world can't know light because in it, in and of itself, it is a system of self-damning darkness. And beloved, I would add that the world cannot know wisdom because the wisdom of God is hidden from the mind of man. So back to Solomon a second. Um, When Solomon was given the privilege, can you even imagine, of receiving from God anything? He asks, Mm. he asks for the best thing. He asks for wisdom. And he got it. He got this immense capacity to be able to understand this world. He understood how animals acted, plants acted, nations acted, men and women acted. He was able to discern from a human level everything. But if you read in Ecclesiastes, which is another good book to look at, Mm -hmm. you will remember that he said all of the wisdom of the world, everything that he got in this world without the knowledge of God is vanity. He kept saying it's vanity of vanities. It's emptiness. All of it left him having nothing. He wasn't fulfilled. He wasn't satisfied, but then he pursued the right thing, which was godly wisdom. And he said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning and the end of that. And he even noted that fools are the ones who despise instruction. And I was talking to, um, Somebody about this recently and about how, you know, it's good when we talk to our children uh, to use biblical language for their sin and their disobedience and whatever. And it's good to actually bring scripture in with them. And I never thought about this until I had this conversation that it actually is good to bring in the discussion with your children of talking about them acting like a fool. Because that's what scripture says in Proverbs when it says, you know, you're being foolish when you don't want to listen to what your mom and dad are telling you to say. Um, I was jokingly saying with my husband, I don't think we're going to go around walking saying, hey, you fool over there. But it's good for them to realize like that is the opposite of being wise. Like God wants us to be wise and to have wisdom. He does not want us to be foolish. And with that wisdom, true spiritual wisdom comes discernment. You know, we show our wisdom through our choices. I think a lot of times we say, well, I'm not really convicted by this, or this is a gray area in Christianity. And, you know, uh, to be truthful, I think a lot of Christians, myself included at times, behave and act much like the world does and just walk in our own wisdom When we've actually failed to submit these things that we do um, or participate in, read whatever, listen to before the Lord, you know, seeking his discernment and wisdom on whether or not this is something that is profitable for us or something that we should be doing, maybe something we should be reading. Uh, John MacArthur went on to say people read a lot of things. They listen to a lot of Christian radio They watch a lot of Christian television. They download a lot of things on the internet. And without discernment, they're really susceptible to mental chaos, which leads to spiritual chaos. I think abiding and abetting that inability to discern everything coming at people today, the church seems to have boundless eager to believe anything and everything. I think it's this lack of discernment that has caused evangelical Christianity to be fighting for its life. It seems to me that if any one problem outstrips all others in the church, it's the lack of spiritual discrimination that characterizes Christianity. Bad decisions based on faulty reasoning, superficial understanding, shallow knowledge, widespread ignorance, doctrinal confusion, biblical infidelity. All of these things have done more damage to the church throughout history than persecution. You see, persecution has a way of actually refining the church. Persecution has taken a toll but a far greater toll has been taken on the church by the chaos and confusion over doctrine that has left severe scars. We could almost wish for some ramped up persecution so that we could get people serious about real Christianity. I know Lauren and I have both been on mission trips and we would tell you firsthand, both of us that those people that we met in Africa who had nothing and some who were probably Mm -hmm. persecuted for their faith had more love for christ than most people in america Mm -hmm. um the bible warns us of you know the things that tickle our ears that we hear of heresy of false teachers those wolves in sheep's clothing um of myths of deceptive practices of science of philosophy and the list goes on even jesus himself he warned us in matthew 7 of those wolves in sheep's clothing you know the ones that infiltrate the church but they're actually the false prophets and he says You're going to know those people by their fruits, watch their life. So how can we be discerning in a day and age when there is so much, quote unquote, Christian opinion and Christian truth out there? So first, we want to be in the word. It starts there. If you are not in the word, filling your mind with the truth, you're not going to be able to discern whatever you're reading or watching or whatever it is, the truth from error. This means that not only do you need to be in the word regularly yourself, but you should also be sitting under sound theological and doctrinally sound teaching from your pulpit, from your church. Remember, pastors are supposed to be guardians of the truth. They're not meant to tickle our ears based on what we want to hear, what makes us feel good. Um, We shouldn't pick our churches based on, well, this is a cool church or Know, I really like the style of this music, or they have all the best ministries, but rather on whether or not the word of God is handled and taught correctly. And we also should be, you know, reading good books and listening to good podcasts. You can listen to other pastors' sermons, whatever it might be. Um, you know, one site that we would really recommend to you guys is Tim Challies. He has book reviews on so many Christian books. And he really does a good job of giving a review with strengths and weaknesses and just kind of an overall idea of what the book has to offer. And I think would really benefit you in helping to discern whether or not, okay, does this, what this person's saying in this book really match up to what God's word says? Um, And just some food for thought on, you know, how do you choose a good book to read? There are so many Christian I should say, quote unquote, Christian books out there um, being promoted on social media by social media influencers. And, you know, you type Amazon, you type in Christian devotion or whatever it might be. And there's thousands and thousands. And it's like, I don't even know where to start. How do I know if it's good? How do I know if it's, it's matches with what the Bible says? Um, I think you should first look, well, who is the author? Who wrote this? Do some research on them, Thankfully, we have Google and the Internet and the ability to to research somebody. And just because, you, you know, says that it's Christian or the author says that this is based on the Bible well, doesn't necessarily mean that. So definitely research the author. And then I always look on the back or in the front cover to see who endorsed it. Who did they get to read their book and promote it? Um, oftentimes, I will find a book by an author that maybe I have never even heard of but then I'll see okay there's a couple people on here that I do know and I trust as solid preachers and handlers of truth and therefore okay it makes me think well this person must be solid because I don't think these people would endorse this person's book unless they truly felt like they were handling God's word correctly and then you want to look on Like we said, the Tim Challey site, there's tons of people that just like to review books. You can just type in the book and type in review and see if you can find some reviews on the book and see what other people say. Another good thing is to ask a trusted mentor, a friend, a pastor, hey, have you read this book? Do you know anything about it? Um, Chances are you can find somebody who that you know in your circle, in your church, who at least knows something about that book. And then if you want to, after you've done that, to read it great, read it. And you may be able to find that it is super beneficial for you. Um, or you might find that your discerning red flags are going off, but we want to always make sure God wants us to always be discerning and to make sure that we're always checking what is being said against the word of God.
0: Yes. Such good tips. I actually was talking to Vanessa and asking her about a certain book, uh, just this week. And she gave me those exact examples. So Do those things and discern what you're reading. Um, And next, we need to be a praying people. We need to be on our knees regularly for ourselves and for the church. We need to pray for discernment for both. Pray that the spirit would convict our hearts when we are in sin or leaning towards a sinful desire. Pray that he would enable us to recall scripture we have hidden in our hearts and use that to fight the temptation we may have to stray from to do what's right. And we need to be on our knees. We can't gain wisdom and discernment in our own strength. Isn't that what James said? If any man lacks wisdom, what's the next line? Let him ask God. You want to be a discerning person? Pray to be a discerning person. Pray for discernment. And then submit to scripture because that's the wisdom from above. Also, take a look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We know the world is full of fools. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, according to Proverbs twenty two, fifteen. Nobody has to teach you foolishness, but you do need to grow in and be taught wisdom and discernment. And yet you being born again have been given a spiritual wisdom and are called to grow in it. The wisdom of God is a gift of God for the believer. John MacArthur says, now a believer who walks in wisdom knows three things. He knows three things. He knows his life's principles. He knows his limited privileges and he knows his lord's purposes to put it another way he knows what the rules are for his life he knows what god has laid out secondly he has a limited time to fulfill it and thirdly he knows specifically what god wants him to do it's a very simple statement but it's one of the most profound in the entire book of ephesians he knows his life's principles his limited privileges and his lord's purposes These are the characteristics of a wise walking Christian. So believer, we must be growing in our walk in wisdom. We can't stay stagnant in our growth. Hebrews 5 says about immaturity and how detrimental it is to you and to the body when you fail to pursue maturity in Christ. Again, if you're not spiritually strong, you are going to be more easily swayed. You must grow up in your faith. I know even now during this global pandemic, we can find ourselves searching for truth in an ocean of information. If you're on social media for even just a moment, you'll see every side of this fight. It's overwhelming. It's confusing. It's anxiety inducing and led me to severe anxiety in the beginning of all of this. And it even caused angst in my household. Um, Thankfully, Usually when I am feeling like that, my husband is, is in the word and, and faithful and just such an encouragement. And he remind me to stop, stop looking at all these things. Stop watching all this, all this overwhelming and confused, excuse me, confusing news and pray for truth and seek wisdom from the Lord. Stop and be still and know that he is God. To remember, even when this world is in chaos, the Lord is sovereign and gives us wisdom and guides our hearts. And we can really take comfort in the Lord and his wisdom when we feel so overwhelmed. And so then we must ask ourselves, are the things we are investing our time in, the books we're reading, the shows we're watching, the sermons or podcasts we're listening to, even the churches we go to or the songs we listen to, the way we evangelize friendships we have are all of these things enabling us to walk in wisdom are they harmful or are they helpful to our spiritual growth since you have been saved you are commanded to walk in wisdom and you are responsible to do it
1: i'll i'll add social media to that list too (laughs) (laughs) The church, unfortunately, today, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians are more concerned with their image and what people think about them rather than standing for the truth. Uh, John MacArthur also said, I mean, we've all seen the user-friendly approach come and go. He's talking about churches. We've got to create this image if we're going to reach the non-believers. We have to be popular. We've got to be acceptable. Sometimes, even if it means not giving the full truth. The church has lost her will to disturb the world, to disturb the sinner, to upset the sinner, to terrify the sinner. So the cause, lack of conviction, failure to be antithetical, preoccupation with a worldly image. Think about how scary this is, because wisdom would tell us scripturally that doing that is foolish. If our purpose is to ultimately bring people to Christ, thinking we can be doing it in this way and without the full truth, is not wise at all, and it's actually leading people astray. Our job as believers is to stand for the truth and to speak the truth no matter what the cost is. Remember, if they hated Jesus, the world is going to hate us too. Even the gospel is offensive and foolishness to those who are perishing. Take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-22. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. That means that we should be testing everything that we hear and examining carefully, it, it, examining it carefully against the word. We don't just hear it and then say, oh, okay, I believe it. Paul is calling oh, on gosh. Christians to test everything carefully, to distinguish what is true and false and right and wrong and good and bad. John MacArthur said, is about this passage when Paul is telling us, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to whatever conforms to the true interpretation of scripture. Hold fast to what is good is not just talking about behavior. It's talking about truth. It's talking about teaching, instruction, and preaching. Hold fast to what is good. It sounds a lot like Romans 12, 9, which says, what is evil and cling to what is good there is the foundational assumption about truth some things are true and some things are not and you have to be able to distinguish the difference so that you can hold on to what is true and you can abstain from what is not there is a lot of false teaching going on in the church today and you have to be aware of it do your spiritual discerning red flags go off when you hear something that isn't right spiritual discernment is the ability to distinguish God from Satan, sound doctrine from perversion. We do not want to be people who are easily swayed by the waves of the world, culture, and the false doctrines that are even inside the church. Here's just a couple Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 33 says wisdom resides in the heart of the discerning. Proverbs 16, 21 says wise in heart are called discerning. And Proverbs seventeen twenty four says, discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. One thing I think we should be doing is following discerning teachers. They will teach you discernment. Paul even says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, the things that I have taught you follow these things. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one anointing us. And he is, an, he is enabling us to discern. He teaches us everything. And then as Lauren said earlier, we need to pray, pray, and pray some more.
0: Yes, never ceasing to pray. And wisdom is only found in God and him alone. So we need to always start there. In his book, The Discipline of Spiritual Discernment, Tim Challies writes, as we seek after discernment, a good and godly desire our sinful natures will fight against us. We will soon discover a part of ourselves that does not want to make clear distinctions between what is good and evil and a part of ourselves that does not want to be committed to what is good and right and true. And so for the so the first enemy we must overcome in our discipline of discernment is ourselves. With discernment comes division. A person who seeks to be discerning must be willing to suffer the effects of this division. It will divide not only believer from unbeliever, but it may even divide a discerning believer from one who is undiscerning. It will separate the mature from the immature, the naive from the prudent. The Bible places great emphasis on spiritual maturity because Like children, immature believers are prone to sample anything. They're attracted to what looks good to their untrained eyes. Only as they grow in maturity are they able to differentiate what pleases God and what does not. Because of this, there can be no growth without discernment. Mm -hmm.
1: Lots of food for thought, I think, for all of us. I think discernment is something that... I know I pray for often, and I just pray that we would all just grow in, especially in this time. So thanks so much Mm -hmm. for listening today. We look forward to continuing on this journey with you all as we seek to redeem mommyhood every day for God's glory through the power of the gospel.